Games Who Don't This Podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I am joined this week by Brendan Sinclair, Danielle Partis, Jeffrey Russo, Marie D'Alessandri, and Christopher Drake. This is our final podcast of the year and my favourite. Every year we are talking about our games of the year. It's the one time we get to kind of put take off our business hats and put on our, our game playing hats. I won't say gamer hats, I'll say game playing hats. Um, we're going to talk about selection of the games we've played this year. They may or may not be new releases. Increasingly they are not new releases with us. Um, there's no real order to this. So who wants to go first? Who's Who's desperate to talk about their games of the year? Awkward sounds going and pick on you, Marie. Oh Go no, I knew- why me? Because all day in our Slack channel you've been debating which games you want to talk about, so I'm well, fairly confident by now you have a list. I have a long list, uh, but I, I had to choose some of them because apparently I'm not allowed to talk about all 15 of them. Fifteen? Um, so, sorry? No, not 15. I mean, you know, you never know. Uh, no, okay, fine. Um, serious, serious things now. Uh, game of the year. Um, so I'm going to start with a game that I did not release this year, actually, um, which is Bug Snacks, because Bug Snacks is wonderful, and I didn't come around to playing it until uh, later in the year, because mostly I've spent half of my year playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, but Bug Snacks, I think that's one that was maybe treated, in my opinion at least, a bit unfairly at release, because a lot of people criticise the fact that. It, the story takes a dark turn, and I couldn't disagree w- with that. I mean, it's, it's it's it does get a bit dark, but it's not that dark. And the game is about food taking over your limbs when you eat it. So I'm not sure what people were expecting, really, because that's not really fun. Uh, and also, a game can be more than one thing, and it's true that it had like that feeling of it being a very joyous game, but it's also a real excellent story that's written in a way that in my opinion, made perfect sense from start to finish, however absurd it is, because it is completely bonkers, really. Uh, but it's done very cleverly, in my opinion. All the characters are really well developed, and they all have unique quirks, and I loved it so much. It's lovely to look at. The dialogue is excellent, and that's supported by just incredible voice actors and actresses. I'm going to have to name Sam Regal, because he is absolutely marvellous and wonderful, and I love him so much. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I don't know if I have like a million things to say. I just know that I loved it so much that it is my first platinum ever. Nice. <laughs> Turns out I had never platinum the game before, and then Bug Snacks <laughs> was there, and it was so good that I just couldn't get enough. And like, there's tons of things to do, but there's also not too much if that makes sense, which is a positive in my eyes because sometimes when there's just too much, I'm like, whatever, I can't be bothered. Um, but yeah, there was just enough to make me want to 100 percent it and get a platinum on that. And yeah, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to avoid um, chipping in on every single game that people talk about (laughs) today. But but this one, I did sample this one earlier this year because I um, I, it was one of the ones up for a a BAFTA, and I was on that panel, uh, on that judging panel, and I played some of it. I played like a good few hours, you know, like five six hours into it, and. I, I really liked it. I loved the concept of it, but yeah, the darkness. I'm glad that got addressed because there, there was a, when early on when you're feeding bug snacks to people and it's transforming <laughs> their limbs. I'm like, this is a bit weird. Are we going to address the weirdness or is it just kind of accepted no, because it's, you it's like an it. yeah? And then like, and I have to confess, I didn't get around to finishing it. Um, partly because I just didn't have... It got to the stage where, like, the puzzles of, of how you capture or entice the bug snacks, like, I started to run out of patience for them, partly because I had so many other games to be playing with a deadline. It's like, right, I will come back to this another time. And I didn't in the end. But I looked up the the, the ending, and I did yeah, it's dark, but it's kind of like, I kind of want a sequel now. Like, I, I haven't even finished it, and I'm like, I want more of this. Because yeah. the way it ends, like, oh, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, so uh, interesting choice. Yeah, no, the the ending is is open as well in such a way that I mean we, we know that DLC is coming, but there there is potential for so much stuff in that universe, and I just I just love it. It's like super well put together, and the soundtrack is amazing. I forgot to mention that, but it's so so good, which is very important for me. And yeah, I feel like no one no one really loved it as much as they should have, really, because it is great actually. Um, but I have other games to talk about. Can I talk about more games? You can talk about more games. The other game I mostly wanted to mention is Chicory. Um, I'm going to put out there, out of the way as well, that I played on PS5 and the controls are really not great. And that nearly made me just not finish it because I think people play it on PC essentially is what I'm saying. And that the control scheme is what 
made it that it wasn't my game of the year. But apart from that, it's like one of the most interesting reflection on like imposter syndrome and mental health that I've seen like in years or ever, frankly. And it's crazy to me that it wasn't even considered in like games of the years lists, like at shows like the Game Awards and stuff like that, considering the depth there is to this game. It's so well written. And like it really felt like exploring a new world, which I know is what every, not every game, but a lot of games aim to do. But it's done really so well in Chicory because like it really feels like, it sounds like a bit of a cliche to say it like that, but like that breathing, living world thing with developed characters, backstories, and like a history. And it's the first time I feel that in a game since probably Hollow Knight, which is one of my favorite games ever. And it's just, it's just wonderful. And I think everyone should play this game because it's just great. Yeah. Oh, and actually, and I have again, can I talk briefly like one sentence about other games? And then Go I stop talking then. forever. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's just like four games I'm going to mention very quickly. Miles Morales, because it is perfection. And if you haven't played it, then I can only assume you do not own a PlayStation console because otherwise I do not know what you're doing with your life. Deathloop, because even though it's like imperfect, I know it's one of the most satisfying puzzle I've had to solve all year. And the soundtrack is wonderful and the voice acting is amazing. Guardians of the Galaxy as a late contender because it's so well written that it's ridiculous and it makes you feel super badass. And of course, Animal Crossing, because I can never stop playing Animal Crossing. Miles Morales is the greatest Christmas game ever made. It is the best. <laughs> Come at me. I was, I'm saving Miles Morales for when I eventually get a PS5. That will be the first game I play on my PS5. Yeah. If I get a PS5. I think that's worth it, yeah. 100%. Lovely. Thank you, Marie. Um, what is your actual game of the year? Oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's that too. My actual game of the year is Unpacking. I kind of forgot about it because I did write an entire article about it, which you can read on gamesindustry.biz. Uh, but yeah, Unpacking is my game of the year because it is... It's one of the game I felt like one of the deepest personal connection to in recent year, like legit. It's super relatable. It's a game that's super satisfactory as well in the way you arrange um, the the world around you. You learn like, oh my, it's super difficult because I just wrote this entire article about it. And it's like I have no words left to actually express it out loud anymore. <laughs> But, they are they are very good words in the article, so I do recommend that people go read this. Like genuinely, at the risk of um, embarrassing Marie or making her feel uh, good about herself, like I, I'm aware of unpacking. Like a, a lot of people are getting very excited about it, but honestly, reading your article is like, yeah, I really need to go play this now. It's just I really like that's one thing I mentioned in the article. But I really, really love stories that I that are told without words, and so I always feel like. A connection to stories told this way and I think Unpacking does that really well and it's just lovely it's amazing and like I don't know what else I can say just go read my words because I have no words left but it's great just play it well while Marie stocks up on words we'll move on <laughs> um, let's go with Jeffrey what were your games of the year um I'll, I'll just try to stick to four <laughs> um and I'll try not to you know talk everyone's heads off but um one of them that comes to mind is um I, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. I'm so sorry if I'm not. Uh Umurangi Generation that came out on the Switch. I know it was on PC last year, but I played the Switch release. Um what I liked about that game is that um it addresses like one of those concerns that we always have in like work slack as like can we play games that aren't violent? It's not violent. And what it is is that um you are this young photographer. Uh, you and your friends are what? What? Uh, without revealing too much, it's literally like you're going through what's essentially a snapshot of what happens when you slowly see things in your city or town kind of go to hell in a handbasket, preferably speaking, because um, throughout the game you're like visiting different city locations and you're taking pictures of people and things going on but what you're learning is that um without the game telling you any of this is that something happened where essentially the un had to come in and offer like protection but at the same time people aren't 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 really all that safe and they don't really trust them because what you also see as well as you're taking pictures is that um you know, there's things like economic disparities. There's things uh, going on with the environment. Like, you see the water is not clean and things like that. 
And, and the game does a really good job of conveying all that because it's literally tell you, hey, take a picture of this toxic waste or this giant robot. And yes, giant robots and kaiju exist in this world as well, which I think probably more of the creator just like, hey, I think these things are cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I really liked it because aside from the amazing, amazing, amazing soundtrack, the soundtrack is very, very good. I recommend even if you haven't played the game to just turn it on. Um it's very well scored. Um, it, it's also one of those things I think about as well, is how well can you tell a story without beating someone's head over it? That's not a good analogy. I need to think of something better in the future. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things as a writer myself, I, I, I think about how can you do your best to tell a story but you, you allow the person to find out what that is. And it, it was developed by, I, I believe, they're based out of Australia and they're indigenous. But anyway, it, it makes you think about things that are happening in the real world. But it, it doesn't bog you down by just telling you. You just figure these things out. And I think one of the coolest things that the game does is that... Um, I'm trying to remember my favorite stage. It's where I took a series of pictures and by the time i was done with the stage i just realized oh this is this is something like um all these people are like kind of refugees you know because you you, you see people just hanging out but then like you see signs that are kind of pointing to them you don't trust the un and things like that that's not really, really me saying that that's like in the game i'm not saying that but anyway yeah i i, I thought it was really cool and it, i thought it was really thoughtful the way um it's like conveying all these messages uh, to the player. Um, another game that I, I really like, I'm, I'm a pivot, is um, Skate City. Uh, it's a lot like Ollie Ollie World, if I'm not mistaken, goes in one direction. And this is probably me growing up being a Tony Hawk kid, but, you know, I like skating games. Um, but I with this one, I feel like the controls are, are more... Um, kinder to folks you know with um disability issues and that's another thing i forget like all the games i'm gonna mention are just like really accessible because i've also been thinking about that uh going forward uh but yeah no it's really chill um the soundtrack's really good for skate city and if you honestly just have a bad day at work and you just sit on the couch and you play skate city you'll probably like see two if not three hours go by just trying to do the challenges um it's really really fun um, another game that I really thought was really, um, cute was, uh, Dodgeball, uh, Academia. I, I'm forgetting the developer's name, but this is a game that I would recommend to, like, a younger person, you know, like a child to play, because the game... It's like a big after-school special where it's like teaching all these values, but it doesn't feel, um, you know, corny or out of place. And all these kids are just so weird and lovable. And it, and, and it's like, it's very queer. It's also very um, representative of the um, Latin American development team that created it. So, you know, you see those influences there. And it's very bright and colorful. Um, it, it It's pretty violent because you are like throwing like, fire imbued <laughs> dodgeballs at other children in this game um and uh yeah it, it, it's really fun and uh, it has a nice little story message for for kids um think they would enjoy of course older pe- or person and then um another game i have fun playing this year was um aerial knights never yield um that's the game i like mainly because that also wasn't violent and um and it was also telling a story without really having you read any text. It, like, has no text for you to read. Um, yeah, and it was really cool. And, of course, um, being something developed by a uh, marginalized developer is cool. Um, really great music. Um, I, 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 I really like good soundtracks. I was going to mention Deathloop, but Marie beat me to it, so I'm not going to do that. But anyway. No, go for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do it. Uh, no, yeah. That, do, we, uh, do, uh, do, we make this the, do we make this the inevitable team Deathloop discussion? Because well, I know Danielle's itching <laughs> for this as well. Yeah, I won't, I won't take up too much time because I know Danielle has to talk, but I also really did like the Deathloop soundtrack because it reminded me of like 
those old spy movies, you know. But anyway. Yeah. But anyway, my game of the year was um, Ariel Knight's um, Never Yield. I am going to do my best to have a write-up on that. And yeah, those are all the games that I liked. Nice. I am going to say, like, let, let, let's let's do the Death Loop discussion because I know it'll be more interesting, like, if we were discussing it together. What is it? Bearing in mind that I have not got it yet. It, again, it's on my list. If I ever get a PS5, or I'm waiting for the Game Pass version, the inevitably is going to come out in the next year, hopefully. Um, like, so without giving spoilers, because I am very interested in this game. How good is it? It's all right. It's <laughs> <laughs> not bad. <laughs> yeah, he'll do. It's a game. No, I think yeah. it. Go on, Mary. Go on. No, no, no. Go for it. I, I was going to say. I, I mean, you and I both said earlier that we had sort of come to terms with the fact that maybe we don't enjoy first-person shooters as much as we once did, um, or certainly in my case, anyway. Um, and Deathloop is a little bit of an anomaly to people like us um, in that it's. It is a first-person shooter, but its mechanics and its gameplay are, are both so satisfying in, in lots of different ways without spoiling it that um, it's it's nice to play even if you don't particularly enjoy that kind of thing. How is it, how does it fair for... A, I'm obviously a massive Dishonored fan, and this is a little bit more shooty than Dishonored, or certainly the trailers make it look a, little, a lot more shooty than Dishonored. How, I how it, would I enjoy it? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go down. Go for it. How would, no, how would I enjoy it? I have not played Dishonored, so I can't directly compare, but though I will say that uh, you can play it however you want. And having played it, and then my partner played it right after me, and I was watching him, we played it completely differently. Uh, unsurprisingly, I'm not a very subtle person when it comes to playing uh, shooters, so I went all guns blazing and stuff like that. He played it entirely stealth. Not entirely. There are things you can't... It's inevitable sometimes you're going to have to shoot people, but... Uh, he played it extremely stealthy. I think that's something I really liked about this game is like how there are so many different approaches you can take to one situation, uh, and yeah, it's it's really excellent. Like it's a, it's a shame the story doesn't. It's not. I don't know how to phrase this without being too spoilery, I guess, but the story could be better in places. It's not. It's really far from perfect in in many many instances actually. But it's just so addictive. There's something really addictive about trying to break that loop, and I had so much fun playing it. And like as as Jeffrey mentioned, the soundtrack is so good. Um, so yeah, I do recommend it, even though it's not perfect. Mm, yeah, I'm with you there in that. Like, it's really hard to talk about it without giving yeah. any story spoilers. But it does seem to get a little bit more linear as it goes like it, it you're very free to do a lot of things um for a large portion of the game uh, and it kind of implies that you'll be able to do that for the full length of the game but then it turned into something very like you can you can still do it however you want but the path that you follow kind of stays the same in the end game which disappointed me a little bit but that's uh, that's you know it's at the very end of the game so if you're already there you might as well just finish it yeah <laughs> i'll say i'll say my only thing about it was that it was effort it is a game that requires um uh, energy and attention and um if you want to sit on a couch and play something just to chill out to i felt because uh, about a month before bethesda released quake and i the amount of times that i uh went to play Deathloop and then ended up playing Quake. I can't, I can't tell you. Um, it, it's, 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 it's a great game. It looks fantastic. It's a wonderful, basically a, a, a first-person puzzle sort of shooter thing. But it, it, it feels like Dishonored, actually, James. It's just distilled into into this sort of quite focused game. But it, it's... Um, uh, when I'm feeling tired, it's not one for me to play when I'm in that mood. No. Oh, no, yeah. It, it, it's definitely something where... I think one night I was I was kind of tired and I was going on a mission to you know progress the story and then I noticed oh no I need to be like fully awake <laughs> because <laughs> uh, you can get invaded if you want you don't have to just completely by choice and I literally made one wrong move because I was just sleeping and I was like oh I'm just gonna turn this off right now and come back later <laughs> but to go back to the earlier point you do have options in a game and one thing I remember specifically every time a player would invade my game while I'm in the middle of like doing story related stuff I would not like try to find them and, and, and shoot them I would literally just like stalk them and wait 
and then stab them in the back with my machete. And you have no idea how effective that is to see someone run around <laughs> like a chicken and they think they're trying to shoot you. And then I'm like, I have such a wide arc with this machete and you're running into a corner. It, it never failed me except one time. <laughs> and every time I was I, see, I think alive, I... I, that that's one part of the game that makes me nervous because I'm more likely to be the person being macheted. Like, <laughs> the idea of a much, much, much better player leaping in and ruining my day. Not sure how I feel about that, but... If that can make you feel better, you can play the entirety of the game without turning that on, which is what I did, and yeah, still did have that. a great experience. I turned it on after I finished the game. I was like, oh, I'm going to give it a go. I did two runs. I died in, within the 10 first seconds of those two runs, and then I was like, yeah, okay, I'm done now. So, yeah. Nice. Let's let's be honest. It's arcane. We all know I'm going to get it. Um, Danielle, what else have you been playing this year? What's what's been your favourites? Um, uh, thus concluding the Deathloop segment. segment um, <laughs> I I have a lot of indies that um, kind of crept in um, more than I thought because I kept a track of, um, of of what I played this year, and I look back, and there's been some. It's been a pretty good year for indies, but one that has very very recently in the last week uh, taken me by complete surprise is uh, Inscription, um, which is made by Daniel Mullins, who also did Pony Island, which was a weird, creepy puzzle game that came out maybe five years ago. But it's basically, it's a puzzle slash horror slash roguelike thing where you are basically uh, placed in this room. It's like a first person perspective. Um, You're in a cabin with a weird monster and you're playing this, uh, this deck builder card game. And the the object of the game is to um, beat all of these uh, like many rounds of card games to to figure out how to escape from this cabin that you're in, and you can you can get up from the table that you're sat at and um, walk around, and there's like things in the room, and you can solve puzzles to get items that will um, make your hand better, make your your card collection a little bit better, so you you stand a better chance at um, beating him and escaping from. Uh, this room, which I thought was really cool, and that in itself would be a pretty cool game. You know, I, I got to the end of that. I, I beat him, and I, I, I basically had just mastered the, or thought I'd mastered this card game. I was like, yeah, great game. I've escaped. I'm free. And then you come out of that thinking that you've basically experienced everything that the game has, uh, and then you go back to the main menu, and then. Um, the the new game bit that's previously kind of blocked out when you boot the game you have to press continue the new game option kind of opens up and then you click new game and it just i don't want to spoil anything about that when you basically start a new game but everything that you saw that you thought was the entire game just ain't shit <laughs> it's just there's just a whole other game afterwards that you wouldn't even find if you, if you sort of finished the game and went, oh, that was good, closed it and never went back to it. You would never know that it's even there. And like, I thought that the new game being blacked out or the, when I opened it was a bug. And I went to, I went to Reddit to see um, how to fix it. And everybody there was just saying that it's a bug and that you should just press continue and the game works exactly the same. And there was nothing alluding to what happens after you finish it because nobody wanted to spoil it. And I thought that was so cool um, that that nobody mentioned it. Nobody said what was going on and just was like, yeah, it's yeah, it's broken. It's broken. Just ignore it, which I thought was, was so brilliant. Have you, and have you just you just betrayed that that hidden oath between players now that you've <laughs> isn't a bug. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 there's something else, you know, after the after the game. I, I'm not going to say anything else because it's it's ludicrous. It's brilliant. Um but yeah, it t- it took me completely by surprise because I don't really like horror games and I don't really play deck builders. And I basically only played it so I could talk about it um, when it inevitably came up in other Game of the Year conversations. And it's ended up creeping into my Games of the Year just because of how much it took me by surprise. It's it's absolutely brilliant. So that was, that was one. Um... A second one is Overboard, which came out earlier this year um, from Inkle, um, which was super, super impressive. It's basically a, like a, uh, is point and click the right word? Sort of narrative driven detective game where you 
kill your husband on a ship and then you have to trick the crew into basically pinning it on somebody else. John Ingold did a talk about this at Develop, and the uh, the pitch is brilliant. It is a who done it where you done it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly that. It's it's absolutely brilliant, um, and it plays out in kind of this uh, the, the period of a day, and you have to have a, a bunch of conversations with people on the ship and work out what they were doing at any given time, so you can kind of trick people into going to other places, into forging alliances with you so they will lie on your behalf and then at the very end it kind of assesses everything that you've done and if you get away with it or not and there's many many different outcomes to this game and on the surface it seemed so simple and then by the time I'd actually done it I I just I I was just sat curled up with my switch convinced that I wasn't going to leave until I'd finished it it was it was that addictive and then I finally got one ending and it was like right well do it again but better (laughs) and it's just i just i spent an entire weekend just trying to get every single ending it was the the core loop was absolutely fantastic the writing was brilliant um and that one was another one that really surprised me uh as well on the subject i'm just going to keep talking about games that surprised me um that i wasn't going to pick up and another one was uh the artful escape which came out in september from uh, Beethoven and Dinosaur, I want to say, and it was it was an Annapurna gig, and usually everything that Annapurna puts out is pretty good, so I picked it up on the on the merit of that, and it's basically just a little four hour game. Um, mechanically, you don't do much; you just sort of walk in a direction through this absolutely beautiful kind of space opera. I think that was the word that that the phrase that described it best. But you're basically just this. Um, nephew of a folk icon um, that's kind of in the shadow of that a little bit but you don't really like folk music uh, and you're on your journey to becoming a musician Um, and then you end up going on this incredible journey to discover yourself and discover the things that you like and basically just become a, a like a sort of rock icon just going through space and that the core mechanic of the entire game is that you're just sort of moving in a direction and pressing x to just like play guitar solos it's just four hours of that <laughs> but it's it's absolutely wonderful uh, there's little rhythm games at the end of each level little mini bosses that you can, can fight and it's just absolutely gorgeous i think my running theme is indie games that surprise me and also they look very nice <laughs> i'm guessing the soundtrack is good yeah yeah it's it's absolutely brilliant that's uh that's another thing that really got me um i i basically installed this game because it was on game pass and i saw that the game director was called johnny galvatron and i went <laughs> that's a cool name and installed the game <laughs> just based on that and that was a great choice <laughs> so what was the game of the year that's a good question, Chris. Um, <laughs> I'm just about to not tell you. <laughs> um, I think my game of the year overall is uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Just purely because I wasn't into Ratchet and Clank uh, growing up. It was a franchise that I completely missed, even though I was playing PlayStation games through that era. It was just one series that passed me by. And I played the, the 2016 one, ahead of uh, Rift Apart coming out. And I was like, oh, this is a pretty cool game. Um, Definitely something that I would have been into as a kid. And then didn't really think much about it. And then I played Rift Apart and it was... Like, it's the first game in years that has properly um, elicited that kind of... um, Like, Saturday morning, just sat on the floor in your pyjamas, eating cereal, playing a video game that you're just absolutely losing your mind up because it's so brilliant it just looks fantastic and the 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 story and the characters and the the action are just incredible and it's yeah i can't really articulate like what that feeling is like but it's not something i've felt for a long time because games are good but they don't often just make you feel like a child again and i think that's that's the the main reason that rift apart took it for me a rift apart is <clears throat> is uh, one of my favorite games of the year. I it also I mean if I was going to be te- I think it's like I think it's like the first game I played 
but the first game I've played so far that I thought, oh, this is this is next gen. Um, mm-hmm. There are there yeah. are things in that that you know whether it's the it's not quite as drastic as the trailer makes out, but the ability to zip around and you know from you know, warp immediately to different locations and different points um, that you know you. I, you couldn't really do on the previous generation without the ssd and then there's the the way the dual sense works and in fact the way the, mm-hmm. it, the way it throbs you know because ratchet and clank's cr- famous for its nonsense weapons and every weapon feels different um and it, 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 it sometimes i just use them because i like the way the the, the whatever the gravity thing felt in the in the on the dual sense controller it is it's a mm-hmm. really beautiful game it's always it, ratchet and clank's are always like the pinnacle of vi- at least in terms of cartoon visuals um that you ever get in each generation every single time there's a ratchet and clank people compare it to pixar and this one continues that i it's a it's i love that game um and um it was also also another one of many triple a games that came out this year that's under 20 hours long which um <laughs> which i which was a unusual trend this year that i hope will continue um but yeah i love that game i think it's one of the best um i agree go on then chris what are your other games of the year then well everyone's been picking really worthy like indie games and um uh, new ip and minor just pure sequels of triple a titles <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so ratchet and clank was what i've heard there were three for me there was, there's bowser's fury as well james but i think you're going to talk about that so yes. i'm not going to um which i which i adored uh, but there were three triple a games sequels that i thought were incredible and I, depending on what day you ask me, I'll pick a different one for my game of the year. But Ratchet and Clank was one of them, um, which excellent game. Um, super satisfying. Insomniac games always feel great. That's the thing that they do so well. They just it just feels. I, they, I think only Nintendo matches them in terms of being able to do that. And Ratchet and Clank continues that. Um, the other one is Metroid Dread, which I, I I honestly believe is the best Metroid game ever made. Um, uh, it is. It has all of the cool things that everyone calls it the sequel to the 2002 Metro game. It is storyline wise, but it is more of a sequel to Mercury Steam's last Metro game. It has all of that action elements to it, um, which was the 3DS remake of Metroid 2. Um, that is, um, that was a, that's an excellent game. It feels fantastic again. Um, it looks lovely. Music's audio wise, it's not as strong as other Metroid titles, but it's just a, it is a, um, Again, the Switch game of the year, it really was. Um, and um, But the game I'm probably going to pick for my game of the year, but the third one is Resident Evil Village. Um, I'm a massive Resident Evil fanboy. Um, but, and Village, because it's 20, I think it's 25th year, yeah, 25th year of Resident Evil. Village um, is a, it is a it, it's a game that starts off as a being a little bit of a, a, a celebration resident evil the opening of that game is the village which is it has the whole um being trapped in a village by overwhelming odds if you ever played resident evil 4 it's that scene played again this time with werewolves um and it is even more intense and even more terrifying than that famous resident evil 4 opening um it is it is all it's um it then moves into i'm not going to ruin the game but then the stuff that you've seen in the trailers it moves into the castle which is where the the vampire lady um that everyone gets excited about is and that's a classic resident evil mansion slash police station slash castle level where you've got to puzzle your way out of it and this time you're being stalked by a terrifying um uh, sort of group of sisters who are who can do incredibly uh, terrifying things to you that is a, that is an excellent thing but then it gets really really good after that in that there's a i'm not going to go into too much details but it involves dolls it involves you not having any weapons it involves you being trapped in a small house and it's a sort of a it's, a, it's actually quite unique for resident evil it's when a game starts to change quite a bit um i think it's going to have a bit of a legacy because there's a lot of people that when they reviewed it they said the game is of two halves and that the first half is great and the second half not so great the whole game is great but the first half is masterful. It is horror perfection. It's the best Resident Evil's ever been. And the second half is all right. Um, it's, it's pretty good. And I think that's where it um, that's where it sort of it doesn't fall down. It's just classic Resident Evil. And um, the only thing that the game does that I think misses a little bit is there's a there's a hero moment at the end where you control a, a returning character with a, who has a big gun. And these moments I always find quite fun in games. I, the Modern Warfare Three moment if anyone's played that game it's like that but uh, they don't do that very well it's only about 20 minutes of the game and it does sour that moment a little bit but i so i just it's weird i don't think it's going to live long in the memory of resident evils like four and two and one have but it just was a wonderful triple a looked great it sounded great it 
plays homage to Resident Evil. It does some new things. Um, it has a story about... Um, uh, it features the same faceless, forgettable lead character from Resident Evil 7, but uh, this time has uh, that his daughter's been taken and you have to chase him down. There's a new dad. I found that very motivating. Um, there's loads of little things to hunt out and there's a cool merchant as well who's different to the famous one from Resident Evil 4, but um, is is also compelling and interesting and i just love the game i just thought it was brilliant um but uh, ask me tomorrow and it'll be metroid dread but i think resident evil village is my game of the year nice brendan you've not necessarily been playing many 2021 games am i right no no not not a lot my my game of the year write-up um was about kind of the the back half of the year i really just kind of i hit a wall with modern AAA games, at any rate, and um, and I, I just started going back and playing a bunch of older games. Um, I picked up an Evercade handheld, which is uh, reasonably priced. Plays a bunch of like these cartridges that you get for twenty five bucks, and they've got you know six to fifteen old eight bit and sixteen bit games on them, and it's it's really interesting getting those things and just kind of scrolling through a bunch of stuff that I never would have bought, uh, when it, when it first came out, cause games were, you know, 50 bucks a pop. And these ones, a lot of them were kind of average or, you know, hidden gems or, or things that were, you know, just flat out bad, but I found them all to be like so much more interesting than the, you know, the, the mainstream releases today. Um, and so that got me kind of going down a rabbit hole. I broke out the Dreamcast. I, I hooked up uh, Sega Saturn and Super Nintendo and have just been like reliving some of my favorite games from when I was uh, growing up. And then also, you know, trying out games that I didn't uh, didn't play the first time around things. Oh, well, I always heard that was pretty good. Let's check that out. And it's, it's really fascinating for me to see, even when the games are bad, it's really fascinating to see the way that they, uh, the ways that they were bad, you know, they, they had these, these choices that were made, these, these interesting decisions that, that made them stand out. And a lot of times the games are, are very much, you know, a product of their time. And that could be like the exact year that they were made just because that's sort of the, where the, the standard of, of game design was at that point. And it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a new way to, for me to, you know, explore and appreciate games. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's something that I'm I'm expecting to take up a, uh, more of my game time going forward because uh, the thing that that really kind of pushed me deeper into this was playing Psychonauts two, and I get like forty minutes or an hour into it, and there's a little like tutorial thing saying, "Hey, here's where you get your merit badges that are related to your powers, and here's how you can upgrade them over the course of the game, and it's sort of like the skill tree. And I just like I I hit that and deep in my soul I was just so over it. I I didn't I never wanted to see anything like that again. So like I traded in the yeah, so I traded in the crushing familiarity of of modern AAA games for the crushing familiarity of, you know, games that I already played and knew like the back of my hand from twenty years ago. Um, but, that, but that makes it a less a less crushing familiarity. It's slightly less crushing. Yeah, I'm I'm in slightly less crushing. Yeah. I'm enjoying playing games <laughs> more than I have in a while. Actually, a lot of it's you know arcade style games and things I can dip into and dip out of pretty pretty conveniently and it's 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 been fun uh the first half of my year though that was pretty much uh dominated by Hades, which is fantastic, and I know everyone's heard that um for you know from last year's game of the year write ups um i'm I'm not I'm not often on the cutting edge. You may have like, you know, 
you may have picked up on this. Uh, and, and Hades is just like, aside from being a great action game and really well put together roguelite, uh, it, it, it kind of, it, it reflects like parts of my worldview that, that I, I, you know, I, I love to see in games sometimes when, when they kind of like, yeah, this is, this is kind of the way the world should work. Um, I, I, I love that, uh, it, it starts out and it's a hopeless task in front of you, right? You're, you're in hell and you try and escape and the outcome is always the same. You know, whether whether you die on the first stage of hell or in the last boss, or even if you beat the boss, you, you just, you know, it all ends up with you dying, waking up in hell again, and trying to escape again. And it's futile. But you do it anyways. And I I love that that persistence and, and that dedication and kind of like, well, yeah, this is this is what I'm doing and I'm not getting down about it just because it's, you know, it, it's, it's unlikely to work. I'm, I'm just doing it because this is what I need to do. Uh, ZHP on losing Ranger versus dark death evil man. If, if anyone has, has seen that one is, is sort of uh, got some similar themes like that. And, and what I love about it with Hades is that the change that Zagreus, uh, brings about in in the underworld in the pantheon of gods above is uh tremendous like it's it's you know seismic over the course of the game uh and it happens because he didn't get discouraged about the obvious futility of his actions you know it's it's like hey well let's let's try it you know but Better to, to try it and see what happens than not try it. And and he brings about that change, not just by, you know, banging his head into a wall until the wall crumbles, but he brings about the change by showing, like, basic kindness and compassion and understanding to the people around him and, you know, a bit of forgiveness. And it's not, it, it, it's kind of messy, it's it's not a like a perfectly Peter Pureheart kind of oh well here's a flawless character and of course things work like that because you know it's Superman or or, or some other sort of uninteresting uh, picture of perfection like that it's it's you know someone that's that's clearly made mistakes and is is trying to be as generous to themselves uh as as they are to other people and and that affects them you know the, your actions affect the people around you and i i think that's the kind of thing that makes the world uh a, a better place when you know when you can keep those those smaller picture you know relationships uh healthier and positive and and trying not to to get you know frustrated or, or angry and stewing on it about, about other people and and yeah that's just like the game winds up feeling very wholesome certainly more so than any other game set in hell that that i can remember um yeah and 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 i loved it and it it helped of course that you know the actual gameplay in the process of going through it with you know different weapons and and different uh builds as you as you develop you know over the course of the levels each time each run is different like that that all helps um but i think really what had me play it for i think it was like 170 hours according to my nintendo year in review recap um was was really that that progress that that you make in the face of futility and the game is designed to always be giving you some progress you know that it's it's not a it's not a hard wall at any point if you if you stick with it you're you're generally pretty 
pretty assured of getting where you want to be. Uh, and, and that I, I also appreciate that as just kind of general game design. Um, but, but also, you know, the, the way it complements the themes of the story. So the, the, those are my yep. games of the year, basically. Nice. I tried Hades earlier this year, Joys of Game Pass. Like, it, I, I love that the subscription service lets you try games that you you hear so many people say so many great things about, but you're still not 100% sure it's for you. And in the absence of kind of rental services, because, you know, Blockbuster's dead, and I know there are the online ones, but I keep forgetting to, like, look into those. But Game Pass, I thought, okay, I'll, I'll download this, I'll give it a go, I'll see what the big fuss is. And I, I, it was one of those games I played, it's like, yes, I absolutely get why people love this. But I am not one of them because <laughs> I just I wish I wish I, I had the patience um, to, to see this wonderful, wholesome message of, yeah, try, try again. You pers- persevere and you get through these obstacles. I got to the first boss is like if I don't kill this boss on like the fifth try, the first boss on the fifth try, I am clearly not going to get through this game. Um, and I kind of ducked out and played something else. But like, I, I, yeah, I, I do see why people love that one. You were talking about Psychonauts and like how I think you were saying about how bloated the systems have got in in a in in modern games and yeah like all the character upgrades and stuff. I kind of did that with them. Um, Far Cry Six. I finished Tutorial Island in Far Cry Six, and I just wasn't feeling it. It's just it just it has become very kind of Ubisoft of the game. I may well return to it at some point, but I then immediately went into I've got Far Cry Two on my xbox because i bought it in the sale for like 87p or something ridiculous and it's so weird going from like modern open world game where everything is that there's markers everywhere and there's quests and side quests everywhere and there's crafting systems and multiple forms of currency and loot upgrades and skill trees and you go back to far cry 2 and it's like here's a gun try not to die and I was just like, that. that's it. It's just like big, dangerous world. You've got missions and some side missions, and that is it. Like, And I was like, I actually, it, it, it's that less crushing familiarity of, oh, I'm okay with this. I, I, I understand this. Didn't Far um, Cry 2 also have that, that map where it's like yeah, we, you push the we, map button and then the character's hand just holds up? an actual map yeah did, did they even put yeah, any digital to... overlay on that of points of interest or anything or is it the, really just like that's nope. the map the only the only overlay on that on that map is like there's a there's a icon there's a triangle icon to show where you are there might be a marker to show where a mission is and that is it you have to work out where you are you have to work out like well, i mean obviously like no you can see where you are because the arrow but like you have to work out where you want to go like you know buildings and stuff are just marked as black squares like that is it and like I, I, Far Cry Two is probably. I, if I eventually go back and play it again, because I never finished it, Far Cry Two is in danger of being my game of the year for a future year because it is my favorite of the Far Cries, and like the whole series has, has struggled because Three did so well with the whole "let's just blow shit up and get chaotic," and that's proved to be so popular. They're not doing the whole gritty, stealthy survival thing of Far Cry Two, which I I really enjoy. Um. But we're we're getting on to games of other years here. Um, I think that just leaves me with my game of the year choices. Am I right? Everyone, anyone not had a turn? Okay, let's wrap us up then. Um, I had a bit of a kind of a backlog year trying to uh, play games that I hadn't hadn't managed before. I played Control Ultimate Edition is the first one I think I really poured time into. Control is brilliant. Like I am hit and miss with Remedy games. I loved Quantum Break. I hated Alan Wake. I'm surprised that, which which is really weird, like because obviously, like Control is set in the Alan Wake universe, or at least they've, they've tied it in with that, and it's much more horror oriented than the sort of game I I usually play. But oh, just the the fluidity of the combat and the movement, and then like the the very eerie atmosphere. I don't, know, I can't quite put my finger on it, but like the, I think it's just the fact that it's it's all in an office. Like it, it feels a little bit Half Life to me. It's got a Half Life sort of atmosphere to me in terms of you're in this giant facility trying to find your way to your objective and tackling like the big monsters that come. I just really enjoyed it. I particularly enjoyed. I think I've said this on a previous show. I particularly enjoyed the fact that the um, the accessibility options means you can just turn on one hit kills. So I think I got to. I think I was up to like the nearly the final boss I, I just about overcame like the the boss before the final boss and i thought you know what i just want to see the end of the game now i don't I, th- I think i've proved that i can get this far i don't feel like i owe 
anyone any explanation as to why I'm doing this turned on one hill kills and then you would just go through and just waste everything that moves that was quite satisfying I know other people are like well it's too easy it's like yep I'm loving this um, it was just such a surreal game and yes yeah, so I really enjoyed that um, I'm the opposite a play tale in a I hate Second. Quantum Break, but I love Dan and Wake. I'm the exact opposite. Yes, I know. We... <laughs> but where did you stand on Control? I, I see I'm not play this. Control. And it's really weird because um, I thought Quantum Break put me off. Uh, uh, I thought maybe Alan Wake was a one-off, but I understand now that I've made a mistake. But Alan Wake, I'm, I'm hoping Alan Wake remaster is what I do for Christmas and I'll go into Control and I'll be nice set up for Alan Wake too. Give, give Control yeah. a go. Give Control a go. I think I, it's obviously it's not as like slow and the combat's a lot faster and more action-packed than say alan wake but the atmosphere is just amazing and oh i I really i do i do i do actually i did actually get a copy i'm i'm fully on board i just haven't done it yet okay fair enough um following i think it was marie's recommendation and possibly matt's um a play tale innocence yes so good absolutely brilliant like for me i'm gonna say this i think this is better than the last of us because it's kind of similar in that it is two people struggling through a plague-stricken world. Um, but whereas I tried The Last of Us and it's yet another zombie game and just it just didn't Hang on click there. me. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just did But like a plague tale, like it's, it's a very kind of different setting. We've not had many games set during like the bubonic plague and not many with you know, the Spanish Inquisition as the, uh, the bad guys. But like... The bond between the the brother and the sister I really enjoyed all the way through. The fact that each chapter kind of brings new mechanics and new puzzles. It was more about solving puzzles and getting through than it was about combat. Like by the end, there's a bit more combat, but even then, like it's it's not really the fact that you're like you know what a fourteen, fifteen year old girl, and like the only way to kill people is like it's, it's a sling with a stone, and it. It's not like you're running around with machine guns and really easily wasting people. Like every battle, every encounter with any enemy becomes a real challenge. Um, I just really enjoyed that. It just, it was just, it was a really kind of well done story. A really kind of varied game. Not one I it, it proper hidden gem. Like I didn't know what to expect, and I absolutely loved it. Cannot wait for a Plague Tale Requiem next year. Uh, I finally played Titanfall two. I finally know why people love Titanfall 2. It's brilliant. Again, like it's very kind of feels a little bit kind of a mix of kind of that Call of Duty, you know, military-ish sort of action, um, you know, action fantasy. And then Halo because it's a little bit sci-fi. But it's the, the campaign was brilliant. Like it's the, the wall running mechanic was so well done. The, the, the relationship with the mech, you know, it was brilliant. Like I actually prefer kind of the on foot sections to the mech stuff, which is daft because the whole game is about big mechs. Um, I blame it. The, you know, a game is good and particularly a game's traversal system is good where I install, I was installing it and I played through, you can play through like the tutorial, the gauntlet where you've got like a short course to run through and you've got to like wall run between walls and jump, uh, jump over platforms and kill targets in as quick a time as possible and i genuinely found myself hoping that this is just the rest of the game just assault courses where i have to kind of go through murder mannequins and look really cool while doing it um so yeah absolutely love titanfall 2 uh finally managed to finish uh dishonored 2 and death of the outsider i'm actually going to restrain myself here because dishonored just scratches a really specific itch for me thief 2 the metal age still remains my favorite game and dishonored 2 is basically another thief death of the outsider was an excellent expansion i really really hope enough people start playing these games through through game pass to warrant them making more of it because it's the sort of series that it gets put on hiatus because not enough people want to play it but there are also enough of us that do want to play it and please make more because i just really want more of it um done Hades a uh, brief mobile distraction I played Animal Farm has anyone played Animal Farm I've read Animal no. Farm but... you've read Animal Farm <laughs> yes, it, yes it, is, it is a book it is a book and I clarify I have read the book first always read the book first um, it's really good it's, it's by the Dairyman and uh, Neriel who do Reigns it's very kind of similar to Reigns in terms of you're basically just presented with text and make decisions but you you basically decide in each instance, which animal to agree with, which animal you, you know, do you go with? Uh, I think it's snowball is the more lenient of the pigs, or do you go with Napoleon, the militaristic pig? And it's to see how much, 
how successful you can make Animal Farm, how well you can look after the animals and keep the humans at bay. It's all very kind of narrative. It's all very kind of casually done. But it's just, it was really interesting to see. Like, Animal Farm is not a book you think, that'd make a great video game. But the way they've done it is really interesting. It's a really kind of good way of exploring the narrative. Obviously, you can kind of follow the events as if following it through the book, but you can kind of divert and branch the story off and do try different things, which I just, I just found it really interesting. I thought I'd love to see more more literature explored like that. Um, but my game of the year is Bowser's Fury. Whoop. Not Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, because as much as Super Mario 3D World is amazing, I still haven't finished it, and it's a very old game. But Bowser's Fury was new this year, and it's brilliant. Like, I think we've... I, I'm going to skip the part where we say about how polished Nintendo's 3D platforming is, because I think we've established that. Like, each, each 3D Mario does get incrementally better. Um, so the, the, the actual gameplay is, is brilliant. It's the structure. It's the layout. It is just one open world, not a big one, but one open world of small islands, each of which would pre- previously have been a level. I'm doing that in air quotes, and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> and you can just hop between them you'd, or surf between them on the little uh, sea monster, which my son insists is a sea lion i don't think it is um it's just it's it's brilliant like it's a real kind of dip in dip out you can quickly kind of clear an island of all the shines you need to get or you can kind of uh, you know explore and try and find all the secret ones i just love the open world nature of it like i know not everything needs to be an open world but 20 years ago this year uh, Sony released Jack and Daxter, the Precursor Legacy, which was an open world collectathon platformer where, you know, you've got levels in the sense that you've got each, the, the world is split into different areas. So there's X amount of, I can't remember what they were, like the artifacts you have to collect, X amount of artifacts in the village and X amount of artifacts in the beach and X amount, X amount in the jungle. And, but you can just walk from the village to the beach or walk from the village to the jungle. And at the time, that hadn't really been done. Like most platformers, most 3D platforms, you had a level select or a hub world like Mario's, yeah, like Peach's Castle in Mario 64. And here was this open world platformer. And 20 years on, that's not really been done since. And Bowser's Fury kind of scratches that itch for me. Like, it's like, all right, I want, I want a world where I can see all the levels I'm going to be going to, all the areas I need to do all in one hit. That's one reason I love it. The other reason is, as I'm sure you can imagine, I've spent a fair amount of time playing this with my son. And the co-op is excellent. I think I talked about this last year when I was talked about um, moving out. Most co-op games assume that either both players have equal skill and therefore get equal abilities. So that's most co-op games, but even like down to things like the Lego games. So you know, Lego games, you both have to be vaguely competent in order to, to pull off the two-person actions that you need to do. Or co-op games assume that one player has all the skill and one player has none of the skill, i.e. Um, Super Mario Galaxy, where one of you is Mario and one of you just shoots star bits and doesn't really affect much of the game. This, Mario obviously does all the platforming and Mario has most of the abilities. But being Bowser Jr., you can still take part. You can collect coins, you can bash enemies, you can collect... I don't, I th- I'm pretty sure you can't collect the shines, but pretty much anything else you can collect. So each island has one shine where you have to collect the five cat tokens. You can collect those. So like if they're out of reach, they're very tricky for a, you know, a five-year-old to try and jump up at because he's not quite as well-versed at platforming as it, as it needs to be. Um, you can just fly up as Bowser Jr. and get them. But then equally, if we want to swap, if something's too tricky and he wants me to be Mario so I can do the tricky bit and he can be Bowser Jr., he's not then sitting around doing nothing because Bowser Jr., as I say, can get involved and is invincible. So he doesn't have to be scared of the Goombas and stuff. It just it was just really, really well done. I loved that co-op mode. Um, and yeah, I, I'm going to rant about this even more in an article uh, in the next week or so. But that that is my game Bowser of the year. Series, amazing. <clears throat> Just, so I did um, I did um, so the Mario 3D collection. I completed all three of those Mario games back to back, all 120 stars. I briefly stopped to play Pikmin 3, and then I did Mario 3D World, which I actually didn't like anywhere near as much as the other games. And I thought maybe I'd over Marioed, <laughs> but then I got then I when I finished <laughs> that, and I did I did finish that. Um, I got to Bowser's Fury and I realised that I was wrong. There, you can never have enough Mario. There's no such thing, and uh, and I just wanted to carry on. And I was actually, you know, what annoying thing about Bowser's Fury, I want more. 
I wanted, you know, it, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was, you know, I just think you could easily have, that could have been a world and then you could have gone to another world set up exactly the same way. And the ending, when the game gets to the end, uh, Fury bows are perhaps, yeah, it's a little bit annoying. Um, but the, uh, yeah. the, the, um, the, uh, uh, the whole setup was fantastic. And when there was rumours of the Mario team making a Donkey Kong game, I just immediately hoped that it was in the, it was in the Bowser Fury idea of like an open world, Oh, open world donkey kong Listen. country um you know thing where you can go anywhere and collect stuff i thought that's that's kind of now they've kind of given me a taste of what another mario in the next mario or next platforming game they're going to make will be like and if it isn't like there, that i'm going to be annoyed <laughs> the same exactly the same this i'm really hoping this is kind of mario's link between worlds moment because link between worlds as much as it was just a, a, a remake or a semi-sequel to link to the past it was also them experimenting it was a sequel, sequel to um, Link to the Past. It was also uh, experimenting with, right, can we let them just do the dungeons in any order? Can we let them get the items in any order? Like, and, and experimenting with that freeform structure and seeing how well it went down. It went down rather well, and lo and behold, the next game, which admittedly would have been in development while this one was, was Breath of the Wild, which is the most open Zelda and is an absolute masterpiece. So what I'm really hoping and trying not to raise my expectations, but failing to do so, is that this is the precursor to Mario's Breath of the Wild. In, not in terms of like the same structure, but certainly in terms of this massive open, in, an open Mario game where you can go around it in any order. And like you said, like, yeah, I, I'm now picturing a Donkey Kong like this as well, like just massive islands and jungles where you just go from area to area, no loading screens, no hub world, no level select, just here is the world, go collect stuff. Can't wait. I think the idea of another Nintendo franchise is Breath of the Wild. Like, I, I really like the idea, but I really like it more as a a reinvention of a franchise that has kind of fallen into yeah. a, a pattern and, and a way to to get back to the feelings that the original game evoked, but in a in a new format. The if 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 Nintendo that- does go all in on you know this is our kirby breath of the wild or whatever and it just winds up being like oh it's it's open world and kind of like breath of the wild like that i'm sure some of those games will be great but like it's it seems less interesting to me I, I, no that's, that's I, fair I, I, I guess it's not quite what, what i mean i don't, I don't want everything to be open world on the scale of zelda and, and, and like and yeah, you're, and you're right. Like the Breath of the Wild moment should mean a complete reinvention and going back to the kind of the core of the formula. I think I just I just like Chris said, I just want more Bowser's Fury. I want Bowser's Fury, but bigger and more varied. For me, Mario Odyssey was actually Mario's Breath of the Wild moment, if that makes sense. Not in the sense of the open world, but in the sense of like reinventing that franchise and making it something even more amazing than it already was. In my yeah, head, I, 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 see, we, I do see what you mean, though. We've, we've played a lot of Odyssey this year as well. Like my, my son, my son actually like got perfect. bored of going around my file where I've got most of the stars and certainly most of the easy ones, and decided he wanted a file of his own. And he, we about a week ago, we we've got to the point where obviously I have to do the bosses, but he has got most of the stars. And we're up to like 250 stars now and uh and it's so fun kind of going moons. through odyssey again that is an app moons moons sorry <laughs> case of such a habit from like 1996 <laughs> moons um well, it's just, it's, I, I don't think yeah i don't think uh, going to the breath of the world thing i think zelda had got into a bit of a formulaic situation where even though they they changed the look of zelda and off to the tone it was still ultimately felt the same game mario's never had that problem i mean it, it feels the same in terms of how mario moves but it, it it's always you know galaxy was was a, was a reinvention on sunshine was it was a change of direction um odyssey is the best mario game um uh, 3d one anyway um and um and that was another it was a combined a few elements from other mario games but it also did its own thing as well with the hat element and it just and yeah so i i don't think it needs a reinvention I just and that but the thing is mario always is reinventing it's always changing what it is um often level to level let alone game to game so um and i'm uh and that's and so you know i just hope that the next reinvention might be a continuation of some of the stuff that they did in bowser's fury it is incredibly appropriate for our last podcast of the year that we go through the entire thing. And then like at the 11th hour, we just take a hard right into talking about the bigger picture future of Nintendo. Cause that is very on brand for us and we need to stop yeah, now it is. or we're going to be here for another hour. <laughs> 
absolutely uh, that is all we have got time for thank you so much for joining us both on this episode and all the episodes we've done throughout 2021 we're going to be back in 2022 to discuss even more about the future of Nintendo and possibly other things that happen around the games industry in the meantime do check out previous episodes of the podcast we're on the podcasting platform of your choice you can find full write-ups of our games of the year on gamesindustry.biz you can find all the game changes I mentioned this on the previous episode this is our profiles of people who are trying to make the industry a better place those are all on gamesindustry.biz everything's on gamesindustry.biz so head on over to gamesindustry.biz and have a great holiday we'll see you all in the new year